0: Happy Monday, everyone. Welcome to another episode of I Am Epiphany. I'm your creator and host, Bethany Epiphany. And you are listening to this on a Monday, but I'm recording this on a Saturday. I'm recording this on April 17th. It's my birthday. And I'm out at a botanical garden um, with one of my favorite people, if not my favorite person in the entire world. If not? My mom. Jenkins and um you're just gonna join us on some birthday conversations. Uh so stay tuned. <music> Hi friends, welcome to I Am Epiphany, where my guests and I share the epiphanies that come from our personal journeys. You will get to hear my thoughts on a wide range of topics from pop culture to social justice issues to simply navigating life as a black millennial. This is season two. I am your creator and host, author and speaker, Bethany Epiphany, and it is my pleasure to welcome you back. All right. So I'm here with the one and only the highly um melanated queen writer extraordinaire Flo Jenkins. Hello. But today as I explained in the intro is my birthday. Um oh, it is i've been emotional didn't wake up on the you know feeling the best about my birthday um and trying to you know up my vibrations and get into a better mood and i decided to you know record this moment if i decide to actually Posted. if I decide to actually have it be a podcast episode then I will if not then I'll just hold on to it but for right now I decided you know that all of you can join me in the birthday conversation dialogue that I'm gonna have with my mom um hi mom hi Bethy
1: Epiphany Joyana Jenkins Bryant you got a lot of names girl
0: I know. You gave them to me.
1: Yeah. You know who laughed at that name when he dedicated you?
0: What? Dr.
1: Frederick Casey Price.
0: Oh, well, yeah. At me
1: and laughed. He thought that was the longest name ever. And I'm like, hey, what can I say? Got to capture everything in this
0: name that God gave me to give her. So you explain the definition or the purpose, the meaning behind all my names.
1: Oh my goodness, you know, initially it was going to be epiphany, you know what that means?
0: I know what it means, but do the others know what it means?
1: It's the celebration of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ to enlighten the world. It's like a celebratory name, epiphany. And then there's joy. Your dad used to, when we pray together, he would just be saying, joy, 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 like that. <laughs> and so I thought I would name you Joy. And Yana is like part of that name because spelled with Y-A-H, which refers to divine, our God, our spiritual master and creator. And Bethany came about, I was sitting in church one Sunday just before you were born, and I was reading a chapter, and it was talking about uh, Bethany being the house of God, basically. And that was the place, I believe, that Jesus, um, you know, it's like this house or something, Bethany, So I decided to put that name in front of Epiphany. But initially, all of my kids' first names begin with an E. And that Bethany just happened while I was sitting there in church and, you know, in the back of the church, actually, before the service started. And that's how Bethany happened.
0: Let's see the origin story. I tried to look up the name Bethany on different like websites or or whatever. And I got different definitions. And so I I thought it meant house of figs or something. And um I don't know. I just couldn't really find a consistent definition of what Bethany means. So I'm still trying to to find it.
1: Well, if you just look at the word Beth, it has to do with house or a uh, a place of being, and when you think of a house or a home, it's kind of like a sanctuary, you know, a gathering place. So there, there is, uh, you will see B-E-T-H, but there is like some of them are hyphenated, Beth, something, something, something that's hyphenated with that name. But the real root is Beth. So you can look that up and see that it means house or place of worship, sort of. I'm
0: going to look it up because, you know, I got to double check. Got to <laughs> double check.
1: Well, it's working.
0: My mom asked me, what have I learned this year? It's typically a question that we ask, like on on our birthdays, someone will say, what have you learned this year? And this past year, you know, as we all have been, I navigated through a pandemic with everyone else. And um, I'm trying to think of something that I've learned this year. Um, I think one of the things that I learned, the, the first thing that's coming to mind is that, you know, if I don't advocate for myself, no one else will. And um, through various situations, different situations that happened throughout the year, I just really learned, like, wow, no one else is going to really advocate for me or stick up for me the way I do. Like, I have to use my voice. I have to set some lines or, I mean, excuse me, some boundaries Otherwise, people will just, you know, take advantage of that and or they just won't, you know, they won't speak up for you. So I learned that I have to be my strongest advocate. I learned that I need to make sure that I have balance. Um, Because when the pandemic started, I was, you know, spending a lot of time, as everyone else was, behind their computer, you know, doing work. It's amazing. It was really interesting to me how like, even during a pandemic, the world, like the world stopped for sure. But as far as working, there was like no compassion for workers or employees. It was like, no, we still got to make this money. You still got to come to work. You still have to put in the same amount of energy. And to me, that just seems, it seems off. Like there's, there seemed to be there's, there was an acknowledgement of the fact that we are all living through unprecedented times, but there was nothing really do, being done, work wise, to um, maintain the the mental and emotional health of of people who are working. It was still like, nope, you gotta you gotta get this money, and it just really highlights the fact that we are a capitalist society and making money comes first and everything else kind of comes second. Um, And it wasn't until later on throughout 2020 when people's, you know, mental health became uh, more of an issue that, you know, conversations were being had, hotlines were open, people were, you know, encouraging people to talk to someone if they could but I'm like, it didn't, y'all didn't slow down. Like the work didn't slow down. Um, People were more focused on productivity than they were healing. And it just was made so clear for me. And um, I just really learned that during that time, I had to not fall into the abyss of productivity and prioritizing that over my, my well-being. Um, so that was something else I learned. I learned the importance of needing to move my body and how that's so important, not just for physical health, but for my mental health, mental, emotional health. Um, what else have I learned? I'm learning to give myself more patience, more grace. Um, And yeah, those are some things I'm learning. Learning a lot about my, my body just because health wise, there have been some things, you know, going on nothing, too alarming but it's just um, something I'm just doing my best to be healthy physically as well and I'm monitoring my my diet and the things that I eat also so it's just been a all-around encompassing health journey this past year and um, yeah those are just a few things I've learned say that again I
1: said, those are good things
0: that you learned. Thank you. Yeah, I think they're good. A lot more, there's a lot more to learn. Um, I also learned that I don't like making mistakes. Like, I really don't like making mistakes. And so, I am I mean, I guess I've always known that to a certain degree, but it was also highlighted even more this past year of how much I do not like making mistakes. So I am do my best to be logical, methodical, strategic, um, because I don't want to make a mistake. And um, making a mistake can be very hard for me. And so that was something I learned about myself also.
1: Can I say something? Yeah. Uh, what you learned for yourself will help you and how you will be able to uh, learn that or accept that in your reactions, in your relations with other people. Uh, Because when you don't like to make mistakes, normally you don't like other people to make them either. And so when you find the patience and whatever the lessons you learn from that, you can give other people that grace when they make mistakes, like you not be so hard on yourself because a mistake is just... uh, a point at which you can learn something. And so, if you give yourself that grace to understand that, uh, you can be accepting of other people when they've made a mistake. And some people just do that same mistake over and over, and that can get, you know, frustrating. But everybody is at a certain stage. But when you've learned that lesson for yourself, it'll help you to be, you know, more patiently understanding when other people make mistakes.
0: Yeah, I think that's true. I think that's definitely true. I feel like I give people more grace and compassion than I do myself. And um, I want to be better at that, but I definitely think you make a valid point for sure.
1: Yeah, I believe that's so for everything, you know, about us. If we can uh, see the things that maybe anger us about ourselves, it's probably that same thing that angers us about other people. Um, Because we're just all so connected. We we just are. And what we learn for ourselves, we, we have to remember it so that we can be able to you know recognize that when we it's basically constant judgment, you know we're constantly in a state of judgment, and if there's anything that we're not the best at is you know the real quote unquote judgment who who are we to judge really some of the things that we do judge about ourselves? And what we put, what we attach to it, you know, the names that we attach to that particular judgment usually are so negative and disparaging and I think just we overdo it, we overdo it, you know what I'm saying? And only really God can do that real righteous judgment of even the smallest things.
0: yeah that's very true um and talking about judgment it reminds me of my students like because when I'm teaching my virtual classes or whatever Mm -hmm. at least with the the current cohort of students that I have now they're so nervous to say anything Mm -hmm. like even though the the workshops are like meant for them to have open, honest discussion and dialogue with each other and connect with each other, it's still so, they're so nervous. And so I asked them, I said, so what it, What needs to happen to make this safer? why is it that you all are nervous about sharing your comments? And I said, you know, just letting me know so that as a teacher, as a facilitator, I can, you know, be better and learn from it and do my best to make it a safe space for my other students so can you share with me you know the reasons why you're hesitant to share and so on and so forth and of course no one's only one student responded they were like judgment and even though I knew this I just you know wanted to see if they would share it Mm -hmm. and um it's just I mean the fear of judgment it's just so real it's like the fear what you would always say the fear of Mm -hmm. I think it's the fear of death Mm -hmm. and the fear of judgment and like if there were no judgment right if no one cared about what you did or if you didn't spend your time consumed with assumptions about what other people are would think like Mm -hmm. what would you do you know, what would you do? Who would you be? And it's, it's just so, so real. But the fact that, especially these young people, my students are experiencing this fear so intensely. I mean, it is like, it's, even though it's a virtual classroom, it's like, I can feel them tense. Mm -hmm. Like when they have to share something and I'm like, I remind them that they're not going to be in this virtual space forever, right? So this is the perfect opportunity to step out of your comfort zone, challenge yourself a little bit and not lose your voice behind these screens because mm-hmm. I'm, you know, when they, what's going to happen when they get back in front of the classroom? Yeah. But it's it's just that that fear of judgment. And it's just...
1: It's very, very sad too because they learn it so young, they learn it so young. And it's like, what are the households that are, the, are are these kids coming out of? Who are the people that they're being judged by at such a young age, man? I mean, it's like, you know, from the time a kid is is is, is practically born, they're either given the class lap for something they say or do and the thing about a kid is that they remember it it gets actually into their cells and their whole being you you know this whole thing of being ashamed for being quote-unquote wrong about something or actually being physically uh, battered for being quote-unquote wrong once again it goes back to someone judging them and i'm telling you those students even when i hear you talking to them it that just quiet on the end of your you know your your calls it i want to cry sometimes because i feel so bad for them and this is the world we live in you know this is the world we live in I say most parents are doing the best that they can, but if they could know that their judgment on that child is going to affect that kid for the rest of their lives, it just is. And as parents, we don't know everything, but I I, I feel it. So, I, I mean... When I just look around and I see the kids and they're ashamed. I mean, shame and judgment. Shame coming from the judgment, you know? Yeah, sad.
0: It is. They're all so afraid of each other and I'm just like trying to get them to see that. I think we're all in agreement of wanting to be treated kindly and I don't think anyone like in this space is going to treat you unkindly but you know th- this is just it's word service right so they don't really they don't believe me they're they're like well how do you know You know they're they're depending on someone in that space to be mean to be cruel to be super judgmental they're waiting for it to happen um and they're they want to open up, they want to share, they want to be a part of the conversation. They're just so afraid. They're so afraid. And I I just wish it was different for them. Yeah. Um, I'm hoping that it'll things will change once they get back into school, but We'll see, we'll see.
1: You know, speaking along that line too, I was thinking that that is carried through every aspect of our lives, even when those kids get to be adults and in the jobs they take on. um, You know, I can speak on it from the standpoint of being a kid uh, in the classroom myself. And I remember a teacher and I remember my dad, he was so encouraging. He would always say, reach for the sky. You can do it. He would always say that, you know, from a very young age. And when I was um, in in junior high school, I had a teacher. And she would, you know, have me read my compositions. You know, how the students would get up and read them. And she would tell me, expand, that is so beautiful, expand. She was so encouraging toward my writing that it was easier for me to do words on the page. And as I got into college and had a journalism, you know, major at that time, the teacher, I dropped that as my major because the teacher Showed me <laughs> that it was just going to be a very judgmental class, and I was at the stage where no, I had to have freedom in my uh, written expression, and I, I I dropped that as my major because I knew the judgment was there, and you know it's like how do you correct? How do you enhance anyone? without them feeling you've judged them. And so in our interactions, if we can keep that in mind so that we're trying to help or, you know, uh, help be better, how do we do that? You know, what what is the best method of helping without someone feeling judged? You know?
0: I don't know. I think... A bigger question is how, or another question, just how do we encourage people, like, even if someone does judge you, not to um, digest that, to not internalize that, right? Mm -hmm. So if someone, if you walk around and you're wearing these bedazzled, shiny boots, and you love your your boots, but someone else doesn't, and they're making a judgment about what you're wearing, Mm -hmm. Mm right? who cares about what they think, right? Right. <laughs> so it's like, how do we change that mindset of caring, not caring about what other people think or making sure that the only, the the people who matter to us in our lives, those are the, the opinions that we care about. Like, because these are the people that are closest to us who have our best intentions, you know? Right. Um, so knowing whose commentary or... Perspective we value, mm-hmm. and knowing, understanding that the majority of <laughs> of those, you know, commentaries and opinions, we can, you know, take it with a grain of salt. Like it's not, it's not something that we have to internalize, right? And um, I don't, I don't know. I have no idea how to begin that. Um, if if, it, if, if I, it's just so much work. If um, to do. If we
1: weren't shed of knowing who we are, uh, then we could not accept anybody's judgment of something that's coming from a good space in us, whether it's what we wear or whatever. We've, we've got to, I, I don't know, it's all around us, judgment is all around us, television, social media, everywhere, these young kids in particular, older people too. They take it upon themselves to believe it. And so it's like, unless they come out solid, brought up in the woods somewhere, that's what I say, I take a baby and just raise it in the woods and just let it just be wild and free. Uh, and build up that strong understanding of this is who I am. This is who I am, and
0: be comfortable with that. It comes with the culture, I think. You know, because um, when I was in Africa, you know, the the attitudes or the the self awareness of the students there were very different from here. And I think it's because they're so culturally rooted. They know who they are. They know their their lineage, their family. They know that they belong somewhere. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, that can make a huge difference um, in your confidence. And, you know, just you being able to stand solid in who you are um, is knowing who you are. And yes and spiritually you know understanding that we're all we all come from this same force um but also just culturally having a place that you can say this is mine or you know this space is ours these traditions are ours ours this language is ours This food you know it it ties you and connects you to something that i think helps you know but I don't know, I'm thinking about moving. I might go to Canada. Maybe I'll move back to Ghana. I'm back to Ghana like I like I had a house in Ghana. <laughs> <laughs> but cause it's crazy over here, and I need to be somewhere else. So I'm thinking about moving. would you would you ever move out of the u s?
1: I would I would I think that I would and I've been thinking about with everything going on and becoming so uh out there now it's like where do where do I belong i can be who i am totally and feel like There's true family, uh, uh, a nation of family members. Like, what's my name? Who was my great-great-granddad? What's my real name?
0: I mean, I think the closest you would get to that is being in, in Ghana. Or, I mean, not necessarily Ghana, but being in Africa. But I don't think you would move. I don't think you would move you you know your family's here you know there's i don't i don't see you moving out of the united states indefinitely you don't know <laughs> i don't know i don't know well, i wanted you to share um, as we before we close my birth story how did I come to be
1: in this world? It was so funny. I was trying to hold you in there. It was, uh, okay, this Saturday before your, I had gone into my office to work because I was trying to make sure I had everything done uh, before you you came and before I took off for maternity leave because I didn't know when that was going to happen. So I was trying to make sure all the Things were in place for, you know, uh, deadlines and all that kind of stuff. I can remember there was no one in the building that day. I had that baby right there in that building. And who could have come in to even help me because the building was locked. And but anyway, so I had gone, had dropped uh, your brother off at my sister's house because I had gone into work, like I said. And so after I left the office, I went by to pick up your little brother. And my cousin was at my sister's house and they were having like a, your big brother, brother. who was only like, what, two, two and a half
0: at that time.
1: And they were all having a really good time there. And at some point in time, I started to feel like, uh uh-oh. I'm like, no, she can't come today. I've got to go back home and You know, I'm thinking, who's going to keep Ephraim? Who's going to... How, you know, I I can't, I can't. I wasn't ready yet. Because there was so many things to do. So I tried to hold that. bit tried to keep you in, Bethy, in the womb. I'm sorry.
0: I appreciate you telling the story. I hope that it was all captured because you were moving around a lot. So hopefully the audio, you, I, I don't know if they heard it, but on my end, it was going in and out a little bit. But I think they got the gist of the story. And pretty much I'm technically, I was supposed to be born on April 16th. God or my mom shared with me that God told her that I was going to be born on April 16th. Yep. did she mind that message she did not and she (laughs) held me in held me in (laughs) until the next day until this day she still asks me every year is your birthday on the 16th or the 17th
1: i I still had contractions and you still didn't come
0: until three o'clock the next day so what does that mean i mean i guess i guess I guess. I mean, that's a good point. That is a good point.
1: Yeah. We're trying to stay with your mama. (laughs) wanted me to breathe life for you.
0: you He was trying to keep me in, but thank you for sharing my birth story. It's one that I enjoy hearing all the time. Um, And as I go into this next year of life, I am being grateful. I was, you know, I had gone on Instagram. I had taken like a little social media break, Instagram break, and I had just turned it on really quick and I saw a post from a friend and they were acknowledging the the loss of a friend of one of their friends. Who was maybe a couple years younger than me, and um i I looked at that post and I was like, "Wow, like I made it to this year, and this person unfortunately you know didn't make it to to their next year, and I felt bad for feeling sad about my birthday um, or in trying to look at uh, all that I have to be grateful for. And I'm definitely grateful that I made it to year 33. As my cousin Philip says, um, it's my Jesus year. <laughs> because And so doing my best to be grateful, I made it to 2021. Um, so many people didn't make it to this year so many people didn't make it to this day Um, so trying to keep all of that in perspective doing my best to appreciate where I am that's been the hardest thing Um, because if we have this idea or I have an idea of what I want what I would like and the fact that it's not coming to fruition at least in the ways that I'm thinking that it should or hoping that it will um, has caused frustration and and sadness and so I'm trying not to look at it that way and again just focusing on being grateful that I'm alive so I'm my goal is to be grateful. So,
1: and this whole thing about another year, it's a whole Americanized way of thinking, too. Uh, you go to some of the other nations each year, they truly, truly celebrate that. They are not youth, uh, youth incentive like that. But here in America, this is this uh, not wanting to take on another year is part of this culture. and it's stupid. It's really the stupidest thing, but I believe we all engage in it in some kind of way. and it's just kind of not normal not to celebrate another year. because what is the
0: option? You say, duh, like people are just supposed to know. What is the other option?
1: (laughs) If you don't celebrate life and you don't want to go another year, then what what do you want to do? Not be here another year? You don't want to live? Even though you may not have accomplished certain things in the time frame you may have thought, or whatever the reasons are, the other alternative is not to be here. And so if we would just be grateful, and I mean all of us, this includes, you know, you're not the only one, but it starts so young now with people not wanting to, you know, have a birthday or tell people their age, because it's looked down on in America. Very sad. America is crazy. Just crazy.
0: It is sad. Um, Getting older is a privilege, it really is. And um, like I said, just going back to gratitude um, and seeing age as not a decline. um, It doesn't, you know, as we get older, we we look at a different age, not for what we've like gained, but for for what we didn't do or for what we don't have. Um, and we just have to really reframe our thinking about that. Yes, I wish our culture had an appreciation for getting older and appreciation for age. Um, and all the, the life experience and wisdom that it brings. <sighs> but I will carry that. Um, I will proclaim and affirm a blessed year, a yes. blessed and joyous and happy and peaceful year, a year of opportunity, a year of growing and evolving um not just as a person but as a leader um i claim that this will be a year of blossoming new friendships and um the strengthening of current friendships i affirm financial abundance in the many ways that it will come to me I proclaim and affirm a long, healthy life for me, my family, and my friends. And um, just a year of uh, growing into me, feeling comfortable in my skin and who I am. Um, And I just know that, you know, getting through this this little rough patch I'll be able to help someone else so that's what I'm going to take away and to end our conversation I'm actually going to read my mom's birthday card that she made for me give me a second so my mom makes us birthday cards every year and my mom is a fantastic writer so her cards are always wonderful and originally designed with pictures and (laughs) baby photos and they're always great so it reads to my daughter happy birthday bethany epiphany joyanna may you enjoy all good things with the birth of each new day Today, as always, my birthday wish for you is forever and ever the same. That joy, kindness, courage, humility, peace, love, wisdom be your name. Your beautiful inside and out, my beloved baby girl. You have so much to offer this very needy world. I say this because I see this more and more, and I've said it to you so many times before. At your vibrant, young, wise age of 33, many await your epiphanies to help set them free. On this wondrous new morning, like each oncoming day, God will continue to hold you, protect and guide your way, giving you everything that's best and good for you, even when it doesn't seem so. Just know it's true. Let this new day awaken grace, but not frighten. Let this new day empower and humbly enlighten. A joyous birthday I wish for you, child of my heart, my baby girl, you. So special from the very start. You still know now, just as you knew way back then. Remembering who and whose you are ensures you win. Loving you bigger than the sky, mom. April 17th, 2021. Love and peace be yours. You are in alignment with your divine creator. I love my mom. I love you too. I I read this and I cried. Um, I so thank you to my mom. I love you with, with everything that I have. Um, thank you to those who tuned in and listened. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. And until next time, um, be blessed, be at peace. Um, And I'll catch you on the next one.
1: Keep soaring. Keep soaring higher. Thank you, Bethany. Thanks, mom.
0: Hey, friends. Thanks for listening. Please tune in every other Monday for a new episode of I Am Epiphany. You can learn more about me, Bethany Epiphany, at BethanyEpiphany.com or follow me on Instagram at B Epiphany. That is B E P I F A N I. Until next time, everybody, peace.